Hi, I'm Sharon Sneer. You're listening to Grief's Gift, a podcast that explores stories of loss and grief and how and where to find within these painful times some of life's most beautiful gifts. We all have the freedom to make choices out of the losses we experience. Courageous, creative, collaborative, and conscious choices that so often become the gifts we hold most dear. So welcome to the conversations, meditations, and connections that are grief's gift. Often grief and synchronicity go hand in hand, both linked by timing. In fact, every event is about time, and as is so often said, timing is everything. Time, its power impacts and influences everything in life. Time is the one dimension that we have as yet not fully understood. We still refer to time as if it's something we can hold. We still say we don't have enough time or time is running out or we apologise and say there is no time as if we were referring to something material. Time is not matter. It is a dimension, a dimension of being. Space is also a dimension. According to the theoretical physicist Carlo Rovelli, in his book, The Order of Time, time is an illusion. He says that in reality, time is just a complex network of events onto which we project sequences of past, present and future. In Rovelli's second book, a book without time, he says that an event is just a word for a given time and location at which something might happen. The task of physics is to describe the relationship between those events. As Rovelli notes, a storm is not a thing, it is a collection of occurrences. And that is what occurs when we are born and when we die. So in actual fact, when we talk about timing, we're not really talking about time at all. We are talking about an event that occurred within the dimension of time and space. And that takes events such as birth and death, loss and grief, into a different realm completely. The timing of our birth and our death is for many very significant. For many of us, we hold great meaning to the time we are born, but it is how and when a loved one dies that calls us to do what we humans of all cultures find most irresistible. We try to make meaning out of it. Following the death of a loved one 
and living through the anguish of grief. Individuals often learn to recognise an inner strength that they did not know existed. From the base of this strength, a new way of seeing life emerges. And from my experience, I began to value and accept life as it is. For many, the experience of losing a loved one is the catalyst for transformation at the very core of who they are. From a spiritual perspective, there are a number of directions a grieving person can go. Some lose their faith and may question the meaning of existence, and some may lose hope and feel like they're just a cork bobbing around in a huge and unruly ocean. But over time, individuals can be opened up to the new and positive aspects of their own spiritual states, including a sense of feeling held or protected. The spiritual dimension of grief and grieving manifests in many ways and synchronicity is one of them. Carl Jung called synchronicities a-causal events. Jung meant that they could not be accounted for or explained in purely physical or material cause or effect terms, but that nonetheless they had a meaningful connection or link to reality itself. More often, however, synchronicities are defined as meaningful coincidences. Personally, I don't have a strong belief in coincidences either. So I prefer to say a synchronicity is a powerful, unexplainable event that touches us and creates an experience within us that opens us up to the process of making meaning for ourselves. Often I simply call these little miracles. After interviewing a number of people who have experienced the death of a loved one, many of these people went on to share their experiences of unexplainable events that brought them a feeling of acceptance and warmth and protection. After such an event, they felt a sense of openness and emotional stability which helped to diminish the negative and long-term effect of bereavement. In my book, Everyday Miracles, I wrote a story about my cousin Michelle. Her mum, Edith, was about to turn 80, and Michelle, who was very, very close to her mum, suggested she give her a big party. Edith smiled and said, that's a lovely idea, but I won't be there. Michelle was confused because they lived together, and of course, she said, you'll be there, Mum, of course you will. But Edith shook her head and repeated, nope, I won't. Although they had never discussed death, Michelle felt that what her mum might be saying was that she won't live to turn 80. So she said to her mum, Mum, if you are ever reunited with Dad, will you send me a sign? Her mum asked, what kind of sign? Michelle, Michelle said she didn't really know, but that she was sure her mum would think of something. Edith had been a widow for 33 years and had her engagement, wedding ring and eternity rings on all that time. 
until she lost weight through sickness and they kept slipping off. Those three rings lay on Edith's bedside table for weeks. One day Michelle suggested that she put them in a safe place. Turning to pick the rings up, she discovered the wedding ring was missing. She looked everywhere, in every cupboard and every drawer, but no matter where she looked, she couldn't find it. Edith passed away on her 80th birthday. After the funeral, Michelle and her sisters took out all of Edith's letters and shared some of the beautiful memories about their mum. And then they took out her jewellery box. Together they decided to give the remaining rings to Edith's granddaughters. That night, Michelle placed the engagement ring and the eternity ring on a little ring stand next to her bed. The next morning, on waking up, a little sparkle on her bedside table caught her attention, and there between the engagement and the eternity ring was the wedding ring. A couple of weeks after my husband died, I needed to find what insurance company did we insure our house and our car with. I had no idea. He had taken care of all that for me and I had no idea even where to look. I started looking through some papers in his office, in the filing cabinet, but to no avail. I sat down on the side of his bed and started to cry. I really didn't know how I would ever manage without him and I said out loud, Oren, how am I going to find this? I don't know where you keep all this information. I don't know how to find it. At that moment, a sound came from the drawer of his bedside table. I opened the drawer and there was his iPad. I opened it and on the very front page of the iPad was the invoice for our house insurance. I held the iPad to my chest and felt for the first time since he had died that his energy is right here with me. How and what makes these events occur? I see these events as signs that the man I loved for 40 years had not really left me at all. Sure, physically I can no longer hold or be held by him, but the incredible sense of presence I feel when I speak to him or ask his advice is so real that I cannot say he's gone. It's true I'm blessed, for want of a better word, with a deep level of faith in spirit and in the continual evolution of consciousness. But synchronicity doesn't require faith or belief. Synchronicity is as, is as common as thinking of a friend who you haven't spoken to for weeks and who at that very moment rings you on the phone. Synchronicity is life's way of waking us up, making us smile and calling us back into the present moment.
One of the ways to develop more synchronicity in your life is through meditation. So together, let's take a few moments to do a meditation. Make yourself comfortable, but stay awake. Do not fall asleep. Check your body for any tensions. Get more comfortable if you want to, and if you feel any tension or tightness in any part of your body, just let it go. Let your jaw soften. Relax your shoulders. And let your arms rest in your lap. Make sure that both feet are resting on the floor, or if you prefer, you may sit in a cross-legged position with your back either supported or straight backed without any support behind you. It's completely up to you. Now let go of any thoughts, concerns or worries and give yourself a deep breath. Notice I don't say take a deep breath because we're not taking anything. I want you to give yourself another deep breath, filling your lungs but without forcing anything and then release all the air from your lungs. Give yourself another two deep breaths in your own time and allow yourself with each breath to go deeper and deeper within. With every breath, bring your awareness up through your body, from your feet, through your ankles, higher and higher up through your knees. into your thighs and through your pelvis, hips and torso. Breathe yourself up through your stomach, letting any tightness you may still feel you're holding on to, to let go. Just let it go. That's good. Breathe deeply into your chest and once again release your shoulders, soften your jaw, allow your energy to move up and out of the crown of your head. That's good, that's very good. Keep breathing. Now imagine far, ab far above you the furthest star in the universe. As you connect to this star, know that you are connecting to your soul, your essence, to the spiritual realms 
and give yourself another deep breath. And let this star gently come down towards you, stopping around a meter above your head. This is the point of integration, the point where you're able to experience yourself in this world, but not of it. The point where you can become a witness as well as a participant of your own life. And now, go back to a time where you were waiting for someone or something. Could have been a friend, a partner, a colleague, a son or a daughter. You might have been waiting for a letter or your final exam results or a document. Take a minute to remember a time like this. Waiting. Waiting. Just waiting. Now try to remember what feelings you were having at that time. Were you impatient or irritated? Frightened, angry? What were you feeling? Where in your body do you feel these feelings? And now, what are some of the thoughts you are having? Should I stay or should I go? If it was to meet someone for lunch, should I eat or go hungry? What is the right thing to do? Go back to that time, but this time as you are now. See yourself waiting for the same person. Could be a friend, a partner, a colleague, a son or a daughter. Time is malleable. You can go back in time, back through experiential time. You can go back through the sequence of events and the perception of those events. 
the wisdom that was distilled from those events, you can go back anytime. You can go back and that experience that was can change. Everything about it can change so that it seems completely new, new choices, a new way of looking at that event. It's not what it was before. Look at that event and see if there's anything about it that you now choose to change. We can visit any time in the past with a new consciousness, with a new set of eyes. Being able to see that we can go back in time and bring our future self into that moment can affect linear time, which is why time can be seen as an illusion. I'll leave you for a few moments more just to see if that event of waiting has changed for you. And now gently bring yourself back into your breathing. Feel yourself breathing in and out in the room that you're sitting in. Bring your consciousness back into that room. And when you're ready, move your fingers and your toes, even stretch your arms above your head. Open your eyes and return to the day. Hi, this is Sharon Sneer and you're listening to Grief's Gift. If you resonate with what you're hearing, please don't forget to let your friends and family know. And if you have your own experience that you would like to share, please contact me on www.sharonsneer.com or on my email, sharon at sharonsneer.com. Thank you so much for listening to Grief's Gift.